This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, you're just like me. Hey, we have a lot in common. Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, not me, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Walk down, Khalil Mack! Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast on Monday, January 11th. The day after Super Wild Card Weekend, which I enjoyed five of six games of. Um, unfortunately, I didn't enjoy the Bears game, where they fell to the New Orleans Saints by a final score of 21-9. to nine. Uh, I, I say the 9 like that because that was the least 99 that ever happened in the history of 9s. I am going to continue with this podcast uh just globally saying at first that that last drive doesn't count. It doesn't count for any of the statistics. It doesn't count in my heart. It, the final score was 21 to three and you can recount the votes all you want. It was 21 to three. And I am taking those yards off of the stats. And if you want to say, Hey Zach, you're wrong. Those actually count. They're real. That's fine. I, you know, you're, you're the boss of you. I'm okay with that. This is my podcast. And that's what I'm going to do. So final score of 21 to 9 asterisk parentheses 3. Um, and what can you say? Uh, I, I wanted to take the extra day to think about this. And I'm doing this right now from my couch drinking a um, a defeat water, also known as a beer. Mm. It's delicious. Uh, with a sleeping dog 
and I am watching the highlights again in the background on YouTube, um, it doesn't make me feel very good. Look, uh, it's really strange to know how to how to feel. And like I said, I wanted to wait an extra day and just sort of get a sense of what the what the feedback loop was going to be uh, be amongst beat writers, uh, amongst friends, family, kind of anybody who is associated with watching the Bears and enjoying them. And uh, I also just didn't want to talk about the Bears yesterday. Look, it's been a hell of a seven days, uh, and I don't just mean in football, and I am not here to talk about that, but I will say it affected my frame of mind and uh, just when it came to doing a podcast right after this really, really depressing game that doesn't give you a path forward for the franchise, it was sort of hard to know where to start and what to say. So rather than kind of force it, uh, because this is going to be the last pot of the year, I'm sure, I'm sure that I'll get back on here once news of what's going to happen with the rest of the franchise and the front office and whatever it is they decide to do comes up. I'm sure we'll get into that. But for the moment, um, I, I just wanted to take a second to let my kind of bummed out feelings pass by and see if anything else came up. It, it didn't really. So uh, let's just kind of go into the game, first of all, and what um, what happened and why it happened. And then I think the bigger picture stuff is what's actually important and what's actually worth talking about. So, you know, I, there are a few huge moments in this game. And I I can't tell you the number of people who reached out to me and said, if only Javon Wims doesn't drop that ball in the end zone, then this is a different game. And I want to tell all those people, and in fact I did, that they are stupid because the Bears were never going to win this game. Uh it was an incredible play design, and everything looked so well coached up. I get the sense that they practiced that one play and only that one play the entire week because it was crisp, apple crisp. And I, um, you don't usually see that with the Bears, uh, so I, I, it was very noticeable. And Mitch threw. I like it how I jumped right to the most disappointing play of the game. That's me. Mitch threw the best deep ball he's ever thrown in the history of Mitchdom. It was a jewel of a throw, 50 yards on a line right to the middle of the end zone. And unfortunately it was Javon Wims uh, on the other end of that football whose hands apparently are still bruised from uh, punching Chauncey Gardner, Williams, Johnson. I never get that guy's name, right? Uh, uh, Honestly, he lives in my head, too. See? He's got three guys now. He's going to get me thrown out of this podcast. But, uh, yeah, dropped the ball. And not just dropped the ball, but, like, didn't get hands on it. It didn't touch his hands. It, like, went through his arms and, like, hit a forearm. I I feel like as a wide receiver, a professionally paid wide receiver, in any circumstance, that, like, it should touch hand. You know? It's like... If you're wiping your ass and you get some on your forearm, you need to like go to sleep or stop drinking or get medical attention. Like something has gone drastically wrong. And I feel like that's a perfect analogy for Javon Wims and his ability to catch a football right now. It hit your forearm. Not good. So you knew right from that moment, not that it was a game-changing call, 
uh, or a play, but that it was the sort of thing that just let you know that this wasn't going to be our day, that the opportunity to pull uh, a crazy upset that Minnesota did the year before and um, against those Saints or that the Browns did against the Steelers, like there was not going to be any sort of positive momentum that would put the pressure on the Saints and make it the sort of thing where um, it, it was just going to go the Bears' way. Like, the Bears were going to find a way to lose this game. And, you know, the number of missed opportunities, the number of times that, you know, uh, look, New Orleans was looking for a reason to lose. And I know that's a really good team with a great offense, uh, offensive line, and a really good defense, but... Drew Brees is completely in the noodle arm part of his career. Like he, I was saying to a friend earlier, if I was a defensive coordinator, I would play off the ball just slightly and I would come downhill on every single throw and force Drew Brees to go over the top. Now, to be fair, he did it once. He did do it once to Michael Thomas, but that's fine. Like I dare him to beat me that way that he did it once isn't enough to say, well, this isn't a reason to uh, to stop doing that sort of thing. The Bears' defense played great, especially the front. Like uh, There were tackles for loss. Alvin Kamara, to a lesser extent, Michael Thomas, were held down. They gave the Bears every opportunity to win and almost had two turnovers. Uh, John Jenkins, I, <laughs> I guess they're going to show it as a fumble recovery in the box score. Does anybody else... Uh, it was an interception, right? He caught it. It like flew up in the air and he caught it and he rolled over and it never touched the ground. Am I wrong about that? And then there was the Kindle Vildor. Mm. No, it wasn't Kindle Vildor. Duke Shelley. I got them confused. Uh, deflection where the, the nose of the ball touched the ground. And it was just like the Bears defense did more than enough to win until they were on the field so long that they finally just gave it up. Uh, and it's a wasted effort. It's just another wasted effort in a season full of uh, really good defensive efforts that, that were wasted. Now, it had been like five or six weeks since we'd seen that from the Bears, but the fact that New Orleans is a compromised offense when Alvin Kamara isn't doing crazy things and that the Bears down a number of players, down uh, two cornerbacks, they're two and three, and down Roquan Smith, who is a second-team All-Pro, put in that sort of effort – it just bums you out all the more, doesn't it? And it bums you out all the more because the Bears, and again, I deny the reality of that last garbage drive, didn't convert a third down all game. Not a one. 0 for 9. Oh, that defeat water tastes so good. Uh, what can you say? What can you say? All the words about having figured out something in this offense and this, you know, taking a step and doing what we need to do to move the this, this team forward and that we figured things out. Yeah, it was just kind of against bad defenses. And this is sort of where the, the conversation goes forward. I didn't expect the Bears to win today. And if you're listening to this and you're listening to this pod after that defeat, you probably didn't either because, you know, at least as far as I'm concerned, when I'm super bummed out and I expected something better to happen – uh, I don't watch the highlights and I don't listen to the podcast because it's a bummer to think about. So you're listening to this because 
you expected to happen, what I expected to happen, and now it's more of a question of what the hell do we do now? And I would argue, I would argue that there is no team, no playoff team in the NFL in worse position going forward. They, and you could even argue, uh, I, I think you could probably find other instances where this isn't the case, certain teams with less young talent, et cetera, et cetera, but the Bears are one of the worst positioned teams in the NFL going forward, and that's why I'm bummed out today. Not because they lost this game to Drew Brees and the Saints with you know number one and weighted DVOA. Anybody who was anybody uh, figured this would be um, a loss this week. Uh, just like I figured that the Pittsburgh Steelers would beat the fucking Browns and figure out a way to beat a team that they almost beat the week before uh, when they were playing their backups, and uh, the Browns didn't have their head coach or a guard or didn't practice all week, and I lost a lot of money. That's not what this podcast is about. The Bears back into the playoffs because the Rams helped them out and because the NFL added an extra team. They are capped out. They are in NF, uh, excuse, excuse me, QB purgatory. Like, I, I do not know what they're going to do. And I love to pontificate and say that I know things. So if I'm telling you that I don't know what they're going to do, good Lord, there must not be much to do. Uh, and every single aspect of the team is going to have to take a step back now because of the lack of resources uh, available both in the draft and in free agency to make demonstrable change to this franchise. The window is closed, and it wasn't necessarily ever open, but you know, just remember, it's 2018, it's Cody Parkey's fault, there are two doinks, we're going to get the, the kicking situation fixed. Looking back, I mean, talk about your you know red herring moments where we're going to have a kicking competition with 19 guys, and we're going to get that fixed because that was the problem. That's why things didn't work out. Now we've got Cairo Santos, who put in arguably the best field goal kicking season in, in Chicago Bears history, and you have what you have. Uh, by the way, he's a free agent, and, uh, well, I hope he's a Bear for years to come. Uh, there's a possibility he's like, yeah, I just want to play somewhere else. And look, they're offering me all this money. It remains to be seen whether the Bears have solved their kicking woes or not. <clears throat> so, the Bears have 30 free agents. 3-0. And among them, I, I guess most significantly you'll say Mitch, right? But then, uh, let's just kind of go around the bend. Allen Robinson is likely going to hit the free agent market. Now, the Bears could decide to... Uh, franchise him and after cutting a whole bunch of other guys bring him back for one year but the vibes are so bad that should they franchise him even if he decides he's going to play for that money which he may not do you think he's really going to put in his best effort do you think he's going to put his body at risk after negotiating with the bears all year and uh, still going out there and playing and not being rewarded for it i'm not sure i would now, that guy's a professional uh, and and really has been one of the all-time great Bears receivers. But I think just in terms of where the Bears are in their cycle of building this team, it sort of just makes sense to let him go. 
bringing him back next year doesn't fix anything. And by the way, the wide receiver position in general is sort of in tatters after seeming like a really deep group not, you know, one year ago. Uh, even the beginning at the beginning of the season, there was hope to think that they might actually have something with the emergence of Darnell Mooney. And now, oh, let's just go into the wide receiver group. Why don't we? So Allen Robinson, let's say they let him walk because they can't afford him. Okay. I don't like it. It's bad management. It's bad that they got here. You need to reward guys like that, not just for your team on the field, but for the locker room. So Allen Robinson walks. He's a New England Patriot or a Los Angeles Ram or God knows where he's going to go, where there's actually a, uh, a good quarterback that can throw the football. But he ain't on the Bears anymore. I'm going to save Anthony Miller. Put him to the side. Pick him up. Put him to the side. It's definitely going to happen. You have Darnell Mooney, who is a fifth-round find, and he's good. He's good. Uh, you could say he's a number two wide receiver. I think uh, number two upside. He's still so slight that you know you wonder if there are things that he's not going to be able to do on the football field. But uh, look, he looks like a poor man's Deshaun Watson before Deshaun Watson got old and injured all the time uh, and without the off-the-field shit. Uh, that, he's a find and a half. If they can find a quarterback who can throw down the field, I think he can be even better. But um, credit where credit's due, that's a fifth-round steal, and he's a good one. Mm. All right, Javon Wims, he is a free agent, and uh, I'll be the first to say that he's not welcome back. I'm just going to say that. Javon, thank you. It's always nice when a seventh-round camp guy makes the team, and you feel like, hey, we got one here, we might have stolen one, and he's showing something, and then he sticks on the roster for a couple of years. Yeah, that that time is over now. And then you've got Riley Ridley, who I have said this on the podcast before, was really excited about. Genuinely excited. I thought I thought that he was going to be a guy. Every draft nick told me that that was like a real steal, like a really really good one. He's Calvin Ridley's brother, the amazing route running, all the things that were wrong with Anthony Miller. See, I already mentioned him again. In terms of route running and discipline, maybe he was he isn't the most blazing fast guy, but he can get separation. And, uh, you know, the Bears have done it again. They found a good one in the fourth round. The dude can't find the field. Now, as a result of the roster losses I'm talking about, he's likely to see the field next year. But I have no idea if Riley Ridley's any good. Uh, based on how the Bears perceive him, he's not. So that doesn't feel very good. And then let's get to Anthony Miller. 2018. 2018? 2017? 2018 draft pick. Yes, 2018 draft pick. And lauded by the same draft Knicks that I was just talking about that gave me false hope that this could be a dude. I was thinking back the other day to... Um, the Bears beat writers who were in Bourbonnais. Oh, gosh. Remember the before times when there was Bourbonnais, when there were training camps and you could go and you could watch them? <sighs> That's a nice moment. Anywho, Anthony Miller was fucking uncoverable in camp. Just separation all the time. And now I watch him and I don't... It's hard to figure out exactly how he got here. Like, did he lose the ability to separate did he is he so 
mentally gridlocked by trying to run certain routes uh, that he uh, isn't able to use his instincts to get open. Has he lost it? Has he lost a step of what made him great? One of the things that he was so lauded for coming out of Memphis was his competitive nature, his Steve Smith kind of feistiness and that he would fight for the ball and get it. And what we got, the ultimate result was all of the head case and none of the competitiveness. Like it's one thing if you're a guy who talks all kinds of shit and, you know, is just uh, indefatigable when it comes to uh, your self-belief and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't catch balls, if you drop them all the time, if you fumble, if you're a non-factor in games, and then every time you do catch one, you get up and shout in a guy's face and point and nearly get a, a penalty for taunting, that's not a good sign. And then you have this one today, the final nail in the coffin, where, you know, Chauncey Gardner, Williams, Johnson, hyphen, does it again. I, I would love to know what it is that dude says because it is just they can't turn down the bait. And, uh, you know, Anthony Miller loses control of his emotions for the millionth time after being warned during the week, as the whole team was, that this was going to happen. Still can't control his emotions. Gets thrown out of the game when the Bears are already shorthanded. Now, I looked it up. In that moment, actually, I looked it up. His cap hit is half a million dollars next year. It's the last year of his deal. It's hard to see uh, someone that valuable or, like, that cheap um, getting cut. It's hard to believe that would happen. But if the Bears want to send a message about good guys and locker rooms and all that stuff, I suppose... He could be shown the door or at least, you know, be a training camp, uh, you know, in, in the fight for the roster spot sort of thing. My expectation is we'll see him back next year. I know the hyperbole of the moment demands that we say he should be kick his ass out. And I think that's the last snap in a Bears uniform you'll ever see him make. I did see one thing, and I don't have the, uh, the full game film right now, but I would recommend you go back because after Anthony Miller gets thrown out, Nagy talks to him for a second. And Miller kind of like jerks away uh, in this really kind of aggressive way. I, I I need to go back and look at it again because it looks ugly and gross. It looks it looks uh, like if Nagy didn't have cameras all over him, he would have gotten in his face because that's what I feel like I would have done. It's just it's bad. It's bad. It's a lack of discipline, and uh, I am all for self expression. I'm all for letting people know when you do something good. But it feels like every time Anthony Miller has the ball come to him, there's such a risk for something bad happening, whether it's a drop, a fumble, or a taunting penalty. And um, I'm done. I'm, I have had enough. Had enough? I've had enough. I don't know if you have, but I certainly have. It's just, uh, he's just not, he's just not worth the headache. So that's the wide receiver position for the Bears, which is Darnell Mooney, a fifth-round pick who looks like a keeper. The unknown of probably maybe sucks, Riley Ridley. Last year of Anthony Miller. And um, it's kind of it. It's kind of it. 
tight end position. <laughs> Let's talk about tight ends for a second. You got Cole Komet, who, uh, if he wasn't um, being framed for taunting penalties, is is a good player. And I think, you know, the Bears have got one there. I don't know if he's going to be a great player, but I think they've got one to work with going forward. Looks like a two-way player blocking and catching the ball. Uh, he's only going to get better. They really love to run him out in the flat and kind of have him curling along the sidelines where DBs can kind of like dive at his legs slash give him an opportunity to, to you know, stiff arm. I don't know how I feel about that. It always feels risky. And again, I, you just never see him on an in-breaking route in the middle of the field. I always see him out on the boundary. It's sort of strange. Like he only gets to catch the ball out on the boundary. I think that's just a function of the Bears' rollout scheme for Trubisky. So we'll see what happens next year. And then there's Jimmy Graham who, um, you know, dropped the mic. Well, actually caught the mic. One-handed caught the mic. And then just left. I don't know about you guys. Like, it's not like um, he should have stayed because the game was so absolutely over that it didn't matter and that I, I now learned that in 2018 they changed the rules where you don't even kick the, the extra point if it doesn't matter, which for betting purposes super matters, and they need to change that immediately. Nevertheless, he catches a one-handed garbage one that doesn't matter uh, at the end of the game, the 99-yard doesn't matter drive that doesn't count, and then he just runs in the tunnel. He just leaves like he hit a game winner. Um. I don't know, man. It's just not it, It's not a good look. It just didn't feel like a good look. I don't know what else he's supposed to do. I don't actually put it on him. It's more like an overall Bears vibe where it's like, yeah, we didn't even like, hey, you did that. I'm going to hug it out, you know, see my teammates. Just I'm just going to go to my locker and change. And Jimmy Graham, who was decent for the Bears this year, save for the fact that he is allergic to blocking, he's gone. He's gone after this season because – he uh, has no more guaranteed money or very little guaranteed money, and the Bears are capped out. So it was a one-year, $8 million deal for Jimmy Graham in the latest in the, oh, if we just add this one player, then we'll be happy. Then we'll be happy. Then we'll be happy. I give a lot of credit to Robert Mays on the Athletic Podcast for kind of framing it in such a way where Pace's decisions of late, his free agent decisions, have been just one more guy, just one more guy, be it Robert Quinn for $30 million guaranteed, uh, or Jimmy Graham for $8 million, it's just sort of like it's lying to yourself that the the core issues at work can be fixed with these uh, perimeter, peripheral moves. And so Jimmy Graham, uh, the Jimmy Graham era, we'll never forget it. It was one year. He was fine. And now the Bears move forward with they. I don't know if they have Demetrius Harris uh, in under contract for another year, but uh, it's Cole Komet and Laundry, uh, so that position is now somewhat bereft. Let's go O line. Let's go O line. Uh, left tackle Charles Leno is still under contract. He should be replaced. They need to move on from him, but there may be too much guaranteed money to move on from him, and he's not the worst. Left guard is should be Cody Whitehair. Sam Mustafer could be the starting center uh, next year. James Daniels should be back from his injury, and my hope would be that they put him at right guard if he's capable, center if he's not. Uh, and then right tackle is Bobby Massey, another guy who's owed a lot of money who uh, needs to be replaced as well. I think that's where I've earmarked the Bears 
first round pick is for a left or right tackle, certainly for O-line development. Uh, and so, and then, you know, Alex Bars could be a really good depth swing tackle, swing guard. I love him as a back backup depth guy. Uh, that's it. Jermaine Effetti is out of contract. He was a one-year stopgap. Um, Richard Coward should never see the field for the Chicago Bears again. Uh, God bless him. I'm sure he's a good guy, but he's just not an NFL um, starting caliber player. Uh, and that's kind of it. You know, they need to, like, cycle the position. Otherwise, I think that uh, Juan Castillo did a good job finding – uh, O-line play that worked and finding a group that could play. So at least from a coaching perspective, if they're not going to co- completely clean house, which it doesn't seem like they're going to do, and we'll talk about that, that he should be back and give you know be given the opportunity to continue what he's done because the O-line was clearly better in the second half of the season and they were a triage unit early on. So credit to him. Uh, the quarterback position, they're... Uh, financially beholden to Nick Foles, who was uh, trash, really, really bad. And I rem- I'm reminded of that because I watched the New Orleans Bears uh, game before I you know, got prepped for this podcast, and it is just a series of Nick Foles doing the Rex Grossman 19,000-step drop back, fading away from pressure, throwing it up for grabs. So I'm not exactly excited about another year of Nick Foles uh, under whatever circumstances they might bring him in. And then you guys, you guys, there's just, uh, we are in the wilds at the quarterback position. Mitch, after the game, you know, a really good dude, very magnanimous, said the right things. I think there's, you know, there's unfinished business for me in Chicago. That business is going to remain unfinished as he goes and plays elsewhere next season. I can't foresee a world either from the alignment of the coaching staff, the front office's desire to get away from him and get away from their mistake, from his desire to get away from the offense run in Chicago and the blame that he takes for the way in which it's done. It seems for all parties it is time to go somewhere else. And then you just have to think about who's available next year. And it is a laundry list of depression. It is a terrible set of feelings. It is um, Jameis Winston. Uh, by the way, the Bears can't afford anything. So any of these guys who actually are worth signing, they're actually um, going to get a couple of bucks. It ain't coming in Chicago. The reason why you'd come to Chicago if you were able to accurately throw a football is that Nick Foles is your competition to be an NFL starter. And that's sort of it. That's kind of all they can offer because it's not a bevy of skill position talent Uh, On offense, it's not an offensive guru who's going to put you in a position to increase your personal value. It's literally for a starting job. And so Cam Newton, um, Sam Darnold, if they cut him loose, uh, I'm not in the – I'm not of the mind that the Bears should be trading any sort of draft capital for any sort of player on the market because, again, they don't have draft capital to trade, and none of these guys are guaranteed solutions – so you just be going further down the hole, digging yourself deeper from a hole that I think we all believe, and I'll speak for all of you since you're listening, I'm going to tell you how you feel, that the Bears are going to have to start over to get over the hump. But as it, as it stands for the current regime, the current roster, 
it's going to have to be a Ryan Fitz. I, honestly, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a best case scenario for me. Nick Foles and Ryan Fitzpatrick going into the next season. Two great locker room guys. One of them is bound to be hot going into the season. Get the team believing in him. Go with that. The 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 fits would be awesome. He's got the beard for Chicago. That's the guy I want. I want Ryan Fitzpatrick because not only is he decent at times, at times, he also has these like super energetic, positive vibes and has clear leadership identity. And that identity is something the Bears offense has lacked forever. So uh, I I really actually do believe that's the best case scenario for the Bears. Uh, Anybody who's talking about like Tyrod Taylor or what are we talking about? And then there's the draft. Absolutely fucking not. Absolutely fucking not. The Bears have the 20th pick in the draft. There will be no quarterbacks worth selecting available at that point. Ryan Pace, should he remain gainfully employed by the Chicago Bears, has selected Mike Lennon, Chase Daniel, Mitch Trubisky, and Nick Foles as the four quarterbacks. He got four swings. Four. One, two, three, four swings. And those are the four swings he took. Those are check swings, ladies and gentlemen. Those are whiffs. Those are terrible whiffs. Those are missed it by two feet whiffs. He should not be allowed to select another quarterback to play for the Chicago Bears. If they want to keep him another year and mandate that he bolster the offensive line and get a veteran stopgap, I mean, I'm not pleased about that, but I can at least handle it. If he's going to go into the draft and trade up and trade future assets for another guy that he he can't accurately select, I'm just sort of out. I don't know what the hell I would do. So uh, we're in the wilds at the quarterback position. And then the running back position, you've got David Montgomery, who I may have overstepped and said, look, he really is a great, great player, and he might, you know, um, be an ascendant running back in the league. I don't think that's entirely wrong, but I, I think he's going to be a guy that's never going to reach this sort of there, – there is a, a plane of NFL running backs that are transcendent. And right now that's like Derrick Henry, I think Dalvin Cook, um, Christian McCaffrey, guys like that who you can structure an entire offense around and provide identity and everything else can – you know, be predicated on that primary threat versus most teams, which are quarterback, you know, primarily quarterback run teams. Um, I I do think that uh, David Montgomery can be like a tier two or tier three guy. I think the argument I got caught up in earlier this week or last week was that Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery are sort of not necessarily a wash, but that they're closer. It's closer than you might think, uh, especially given the, DUI charge that Josh Jacobs was levied with last week, which now looks like it's not going to happen. So perhaps I jumped the gun on that. But either way, from a Bears perspective, David Montgomery is a really good running back and deserves the chance to be a primary in the league. And then you remember that Tariq Cohen will be back next year to be this secondary running back slash slot weapon, tight end mesh receiver you name it, like bring back the wheel route. You know what I'm saying? And I do think the Bears need to either bring in a free agent, a Mike Davis, as they tried to do before, or a late round, sixth or seventh round draft pick just for the depth because Artavis Pierce 
was not the guy. And, um, yeah, they just didn't have another solution at the running back position. And when Montgomery went down in the Week 17 game against the Packers, it just became abundantly clear in that 27 seconds before he decided his knee wasn't hurt that if he were to go down, the Bears would be even more up shit creek uh, sans paddle. So definitely a little more depth necessary there. You guys, that's just offense. I mean, I could do this forever. You know what? Let's take a quick break. Uh, read an ad, come back, and let's talk about the state of the defense. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and play playment? Playment is a different thing. Payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. I'm posting a job after this for reading ads. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st terms and conditions apply and so the defense man so what was the strength of the defense and it just shows you how you team build in the nfl in 2020 which is if you're going to build around defense and there are teams that do you're going to get a two to three year window versus identifying a quarterback building an offense and having the next decade to 15 years sort of set as you cycle certain players and uh, you cycle defensive talent, but you sort of have an identity that you can build around. On defense, so the Bears are going to lose Roy Robertson-Harris. He's likely going to go uh, for a nice little chunk of change somewhere else. The Bears can't afford via the cap to re-sign him. They're going to lose Tayshawn Gibson, who was a fine stopgap one-year safety. You have Eddie Jackson, who's the second-highest-paid safety in football and played an absolutely awful game yesterday against the Saints. Awful. He was one of the worst players on the field defensively. He got beat uh, in coverage. He jumped off sides. And I don't know about you guys, but like the instinctive route jumping field general that I think we all got used to in 2018 and to a lesser extent 2019 did not show up this year and whether that's an indictment of Chuck Pagano's use of him or Eddie Jackson's overall you know ability this year I don't know but I'll be watching 
very closely next year to see if he's going to be the guy that we thought he was or if it's a very fast descent from what was an incredible start. And honestly, I thought it was the first great Bears safety since Mike Brown, and that's sort of where we are. He's paid like it, but it remains to be seen what's going to happen with him next year. So you have him, Khalil Mack, who is still one of the best defensive players in the league, but now feels like um, he's sort of on an island. Robert Quinn, total free agent bust. Uh, the Bears are beholden to him financially, so he'll be back. Akeem Hicks in the last year of his deal. Um, Kyle Fuller in the last year of his deal. Roquan Smith is a year away from needing a contract extension. The way he's playing, it's going to be an expensive one. Uh, Danny Trevathan, who uh, contractually is still obligated to the Bears for another year but is showing his age quickly. The Bears really don't have any depth behind him, so you'll need uh, inside linebacker depth in the draft most likely. You have Eddie Goldman coming back. Boy, we missed Eddie this year. You have Bilal Nichols, who will need a, a contract the year after this. It, you're going to have to lose a number of players. And then like Buster Screen is going to be a, uh, a cap casualty more likely than not. Kindle Vildor... Looks like another late-round draft find. He actually played really well today. I don't think – I think there's a place for him on the field. Duke Shelley, I, I think – I don't believe that quite as much. And then we didn't see Jalen Johnson after he hurt the shoulder that everybody was worried about that he would hurt again. Uh, but the hope is that he comes back next year even better, even more prepared, healthy. And the hope is that that shoulder isn't something that's going to be a chronic issue because that would be a real bummer. Otherwise, he looks like a bit of a find. But if Kyle Fuller is in the last year of his deal, that means they're going to need a cornerback going forward. So you can see, like, in terms of roster development and depth, the Bears are going to be swimming upstream because they have no depth. And they have no depth because they've been they. Ryan Pace has been mortgaging the future and mortgaging the opportunity to create depth for win-now moves for three years now. And the bill has come due. So I think what you should – and by the way, COVID has messed up the cap, and so the cap is going to be going down next year. Not as much as originally perceived, perhaps, but I think a little bit to the point that the Bears have no path to improvement for an 8-8 eight and eight team that had a six-game losing streak that went 5-1 and one miraculously given you know all that happened this year. Detroit is going to start all the way from the studs. They may have to start – you know, from scratch and uh, take a step back next year. But I think they're taking the step that the Bears need to be taking soon, which is to bring in a new mind and uh, rebuild. And so, yes, the Bears might be able to beat them next year, but I wouldn't count on it going forward. The Minnesota Vikings took a huge step back this year by bringing in all these young guys, cutting, cutting loose a lot of expensive roster talent. And so I would expect them to bounce back next year. I would expect them to be better. I don't know what it means for them that they're losing Gary Kubiak as an offensive coordinator because, you know, he was the one that had designed that zone read, stretch run, uh, play action game. I don't know if they're going to continue that, bring in a new mind, what have you. But uh, I would expect them to be, be better. And then, you know, the Green Bay Packers are the, are the class of the NFC at the moment. So there's every possibility that the Bears are fighting for third place in the division, not just next year, but in the years to come. There is no path forward for this team without bringing it all back down 
and starting from scratch. So this is what I want to talk about, which is my grand plan. And I, I beseech you, if you're listening to this and you think that I'm wrong, I don't really care if you think that I'm right. I, I believe me, I, I think I'm smart enough already without needing you to be like, yeah, good idea. Whatever. I'm an idiot. Just talking about football, drinking a, a defeat water. If the Bears fired Ryan Pace today and hired me, here's what next year looks like. I go into the offseason and the draft letting people know that the stars are available for draft capital. The stars being Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller, Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson. If you're willing to trade for those guys and provide, I'm not saying dump them. I'm saying if you can get real draft compensation for them. And by real, I mean Khalil Mack should be at least a one. Kyle Fuller, Kyle Fuller maybe a one, although it's just his last year of his deal, so maybe a two. Same thing with Akeem Hicks, maybe a two. Boy, I would really, it would really break my heart to lose these guys. But that's sort of where the Bears are. They need more draft capital. They need to be worse uh, next season so that they can get down and actually get uh, a high draft pick and get back into the quarterback selection game. I would go in with Nick Foles and uh, whoever, whoever, a one-year veteran doesn't matter guy as the quarterback next year. I would let Allen Robinson walk. I would sign one-year deal, uh, free agent deals with whatever wide receiver because the Bears don't run a scheme that's smart enough to maximize wide receivers anyways. Cordero Patterson, I would let him walk. That's another one that the Bears can't afford going forward. Cairo Santos, I would pay for because you do need a kicker, and that's a solution that could help not just this year or the next year or the year after, but going forward. And it not having a kicker, as we've discovered as Bears fans, can be such a fucker that um, it can derail what's already a really good team. So Cairo Santos I would spend a little bit of money on. Well, we need a new punter. Apparently O'Donnell is going to be uh, out of contract as well. So what, whatever with that, whatever. And then from a coaching perspective – Man, man, uh, I, <sighs> it's really tough with Matt Nagy. He's not the guy. I want him to be the guy. He's a good guy, but he's not the guy. And there have been moments this year where I thought, you know, we brought him in early in his coaching career, and he's made a billion mistakes on the job, but he's never lost the respect of the locker room, which matters. And he's learned from some of his mistakes to the point that he's changed his offense and adapted and allowed other voices in the room, and the Bears have adapted to the personnel that they have. I just feel that offensively, in terms of the way he sees the game, in terms of his macro view of the roster, he's always a step behind the adjustment, whether it's in-game or in-season. It always feels like in the press conference he sees it, but in the game he doesn't, and that's a problem. I've never seen him outsmart the other team. I did in 2018 
when he brought over the Andy Reid offense. But as soon as the, the league made the adjustment to the RPO scheme, that was sort of it. So I bring back Negi for one more year because he's under contract for two. We'll let him have a, a, a you know work with the young guys and work on his coaching ability to see what we've got there. And it's sort of a lame duck thing, but hey, uh, I'm the GM now. That's what I'm going to do. And then with an eye towards a QB of the future, the QB of the future is one that, I mean, golly, it should have been Mitch. It could have been Mitch. It's amazing how he like dodged the ability to be effective in the new NFL. But it has to be a guy who has the athleticism and running ability to either run for first downs or extend and throw off platform. And you'd go, well, shit, that's Mitch. It's not. He can run, but he doesn't. He did in 2018. He converted. I wish I had the numbers in front of me. Uh, mentally, in terms of my recollection of the year, there were countless third downs that he converted just with his legs. And I really felt great about the fact that he knew how to slide and get down uh, and that he wouldn't get injured when he ran. Because if it was third and four, it was one read, look, and then run. And then there was the one game where he slid. Harrison Smith on the Vikings bashed into his shoulder, hurt his shoulder. And whether it was the Bears coaching staff deciding to change things or what, you know, Mitch was willing to do, that was it. That He, he just he doesn't run anymore. And then you think, okay, well, if they're going to run all this uh, play-action, roll-out, bootleg stuff, great. Unfortunately, Mitch... He's not accurate in the pocket either. Is there anything more terrifying than the double Mitch hitch? The double, the Mitch double hitch? Whatever. Hitch Trubisky. There's nothing worse than that shit. Because you know it's not going where it needs to go, and it's not going on time, and it's not going accurately. And then rolling out, look, whether or not he's more accurate rolling out isn't, isn't something I can evaluate because his brain breaks off platform. Like, he can't think off platform. So it doesn't matter if his ability to throw the ball is any good because he throws it into quintuple coverage. So he's managed to have the athleticism to be a guy in the modern NFL and just not be able to do it. It's sort of insane. So as I look towards the next you know, Bears draft pick, it's a guy who has the athleticism to run and or throw off schedule and uh, have a significant amount of arm talent. The advantage you get with a guy who can sling it, who can really pump the fucking fastball, it's insane. And it makes up for so many mistakes. Like, Lamar Jackson is really inaccurate down the field, but because he's so dynamic running the football and he's so good with his shorter-to-short intermediate stuff, he can still be an MVP of the league. Josh Allen was a 57% passer in college, but he's changed so much and he's got an offense constructed around the things he can do well that he is a near MVP candidate. That's sort of the future of the NFL. You don't have to be necessarily a running quarterback like a Cam Newton. You have to be a guy who has the athleticism to convert a third down and just change the matchup advantage. Like it changes the math. Instead of having to defend, you know, five eligible receivers, you have to defend six because the quarterback could go ahead and gash you left, right, and center. Like Aaron Rodgers is one of the most talented passers I've ever seen in, in my life, but it's his ability and was early in his career 
to extend plays to throw and or run for first downs that shredded teams and made him an MVP. The day, you know, Jared Goff is going to be a dinosaur sooner rather than later. Like, it isn't going to work. And I think going forward, all teams are going to identify guys like this who aren't necessarily running quarterbacks uh, and, and maybe not, you know, putting them up on the pedestal that they used to be on. It just isn't that sort of league anymore. I had these questions about Tua Tagovailoa where what I saw when he was in college was that he was like pinpoint accurate and then he made super fast reads, but he wasn't necessarily a running quarterback. And now with the hip injury and what I saw this year, already like the bloom is off the rose with that one. I don't know if he's going to be a guy. Let's give him another year. Let's see, you know, obviously – the league has changed so much in terms of expectations. Like guys, sort of need need to come into the league slinging it. But also, they're running these college schemes, and so the learning curve that used to exist in the NFL when you went to a pro style system doesn't really work that way anymore. You know, coaches only get one or two years to have a successful team, especially as it pertains to developing a quarterback. So uh, you run stuff that that guy can run, and yet another indictment of the Bears of Trubisky of Nagy and Pace, which is they tried to run this advanced system that you needed to be able to process on a high level. Meanwhile, you've got a limited rep, uh, minimum, minimal exposure quarterback with high athleticism, and they brought him in running uh, simple shit in 2018 and then rammed him into an offense he was never going to be geared to run. It's such a – just a malfeasance of, of the idea of how to run an offense, of – the awareness of what they have and to think, well, let's just do this anyways and risk a championship level defense, uh, a financial salary cap window to improve on um, an offense that never was going to be. It's um, it reeks of ego. So that that is sort of how I would manage what the Bears need to do going forward, which is we got to strip it down. We got to go young. They have a lot of young players that are worthy of lots of playing time and worth seeing what they have there, be it, um, you know, Roquan is the leader of the defense, but Bilal Nichols, um, you know, uh, is Iggy ever going to be anything besides a special teams player on on the Bears? I, I, I don't know. Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, let's see what they look like with, with increased rips. Jalen Johnson, rips, reps. Jalen Johnson. And then on the offensive side of the football, get Cole Komet involved, let uh, Mooney be the guy, let Riley Ridley play, let Mustafer be the center, uh, just continue to build around these guys because that's really what you have. And the likelihood is the Bears are going to end up, if they did all these things, if they dumped these guys with a very high draft pick, you can take another swing at identifying a quarterback and then all of a sudden you have an opportunity with draft capital you're going to spend this next year on better O-line, on increased depth for the team, getting young again, kind of getting rid of older, higher-priced veterans. And you can turn this around in two years instead of five. That's what the Bears need to be doing right now. But as it is, Nagy's coming back. My guess is that Pace is too. And this is going to be uh, another five to seven years as a Bears fan waiting for the next talent cycle to come along. So uh, on that positive note, let's read a couple more ads and we'll come on back. 
The NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day, you addict. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. I, sorry about that addict thing. I'm also one. It's just a self, uh, you know, reflection thing. It's about me. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Read it twice. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay. So let's wrap it up one more time. By wrap it up, I mean this season. First of all, thanks for listening for the entire season because I know that sometimes I can just go on these diatribes. Today is no different. And what are we even talking about? It isn't the game. This game was sort of a microcosm of what we've experienced as Bears fans for the last couple of years. And it just feels so blah and so unenjoyable. (sighs) Um, The offense doesn't work against quality opponents. The Bears had, uh, I think it was like 140 yards of offense before the garbage time doesn't count drive. 140 yards of offense. The Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer. And, I mean... They never had a 4,000-yard passer. There are 5,000-yard passers every year in the NFL. We never had 4,000. Unbelievable. And uh, just the the opportunities that a lower-talented but better-coached team would take advantage of, that's the part that hurts my feelings the most. It isn't that, man, they just don't have the guys. It's that they don't take advantage of things that are handed to them. The Saints wanted to be killed yesterday. They wanted to be knocked off. They wanted to be upset. But the Bears aren't coached well enough for that to happen. And so, you know, sometimes it's a thing where you go, if they just got this thing, they just got a quarterback, then they'd be good. If they just got, you know, like made some changes on defense, then they'd be good. If they just changed the O-line a little bit, then they'd be good. If they just got a you know, a general manager who understood how to put things together, then they'd be good. Unfortunately, there are weaknesses at every phase of the operation that at least to me say that the Bears are fucked until they change this thing at the the very, very tippity top of things. So that's Jerry Angelo, who's a businessman, but he's not a football guy. And if the McCaskies are going to do anything, if Virginia's ever going to see a winning football team, I think it's time to make a switch to understand that you're not going to be able to um, understand how to make these changes yourself and that a quality football executive who spent a life understanding how to do this needs to be brought in. Uh, and and I, I just have this dream that I said to Ricky, uh, Ricky, friend of the pod, guest of the pod, a few ago, which is, you know, I bet Bill Belichick's getting tired. I bet he's getting tired of the sidelines. I bet he's getting tired of the press conferences. And maybe he's getting tired of Robert Kraft. They don't seem like the best of friends at this point. It seems like they tolerate one another because Belichick can do whatever he wants. And then 
the Bears are this historic franchise, and Bill Belichick has a perma boner for history and Papa Bear Hallis and everything that comes with it. If you just went to Bill and said, hey, why don't you come upstairs? Why don't you run the franchise, and you can hire your personnel guy, and you can hire your coach, and you can tell them to run it the way you want to run it, but you get to fucking get away from the, the minutia, the daily bullshit, the coaching of it all. You can go the Bill Parcells route. And just do exactly what he did in Miami, which is tell everybody how to do their job and not have to do it yourself. And if I'm the McCaskies, if I'm trying to figure out a way forward, that's it. You need to get a name. You need to get somebody who knows what they're talking about. And you need to give them the reins and let them remake the franchise in the way they say, see fit. As it is, it's been a very interesting six years with Ryan Pace and maybe a seventh year uh, where there's plenty of hope, a lot of modern ideas. A lot of things were modernized during his time, including physically, like Hallis Hall got a $100 million addition that needed to happen. He seems like a good guy. The overall mentality of the franchise is good. I just think his football ideas are bad. And this Mickey Loomis Saints idea of spending, spending, spending and capping yourselves out in order to win don't work unless you have a premier head coach that can continue to scheme and a premier quarterback. And, as you know, you can't you can't keep mortgaging the future if you don't have a present there. I said it. That's it. That's what I mean. The Bears have been mortgaging a future without a present for the last three and a half years. And that ends now. It ends now. The Bears need a football mind, and they need a quarterback, and that is the story of our fandom lives. I'm sure as the offseason goes along, I'll probably pop up on here a couple more times just to talk about, again, what we're going to do, what the franchise is going to do, um, you know, as certain guys get traded or released or what have you. We'll just see what the days ahead you know, dictate, but this is just another season sort of to sort of wrap it up that... I it's hard to illustrate how frustrating it is to be on the cusp of being good and then just to be told you're bad, shown you're bad on a week to week basis. It's it's incredibly dispiriting. It'd be more fun to be just shitty and root for draft picks or, you know, God forbid, we're ever just consistently good, not just this year, but going forward. So I, I continue to hope for that. I think there are going to be, you know, there will be a day where you wake up and the Bears just, they found a quarterback. And I, I don't know if it's going to be because they've got the correct people in the, in there to identify them and develop them, or they just lucked into it, because that does happen. It is really hard to identify a good quarterback in the NFL, and maybe one day we just stumble into the damn thing and win the damn lottery. It is possible, and I'm going to stay hopeful for that. As it is, though, I really appreciate you listening to this uh, season of the Chicago Shuffle podcast. I am Zach Lee. You can follow the podcast at Shy Shuffle Pod on Twitter or myself at Right Field Sucks on Twitter. Honestly, man, I don't post that much anymore. Twitter is a hellhole. It's a toxic hellhole. But uh, I do occasionally throw my thoughts on there, and I post this pod on there. So feel free to reach out there. If you have ideas uh, for the pod going forward, what you want us to talk about, what guests you want me to have on, I'm totally open to it. But, uh, again, appreciate you listening. Appreciate your fandom for a franchise that may not deserve it anymore. And it didn't work out in the end. I don't think we expected a a huge, deep uh, postseason run. 
But thus ends the eight and nine Chicago Bears of pandemic year 2020. And I really appreciate you listening. Y'all take care. Be safe. member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.